The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Welcome to the two-man power trip of a wrestling. This podcast is with JP, John Paz, of course, me, your host, and bringing in the man, the former head writer, not according to The Rock and Brian Gewurz for whatever reason, but that's a different story for a different day, former WWE World Heavyweight Champion, head writer of WWE as well, Mr. Vince Russo. Vince, welcome back. How you doing? You know, bro, it's great. Like, re- wrestling's such a crazy world. Of course, everybody sent me Rock's, you know, tweet. <laughs> and, you know, bro, like, at the end of the day, I know rock and brian are very 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 close and i know at the end of the day rock is just trying to help the dude sell his book so like he's not he's not thinking you know he's just really putting the guy over and also bro he's trying to sell brian's book to like a casual audience and a casual audience might have no idea you know who who i am they don't they don't know like you know i mean i i watch tv all the time and because i'm a writer I take notice of who the writers are, but regular television viewers don't do that. So he's trying to sell Brian's book to a mass audience uh, who probably has no idea who it is. But, you know, you know, on the other side of that, it is, you know, it is a little bit of a slight, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, bro, that's just. That's just wrestling, man, you know? I almost think he meant, like, his personal writer. Is that what he meant? Because I guess it's, like, his one-on-one guy. But They work closely. I mean, when I left, I know those two guys work closely because, you know, Rock hired him to run his freaking production company, for crying out loud, you know? So uh, I, I, I don't know, bro. But, you know, the problem is, like, you know, on the surface, like, I wouldn't care 
but then you got to address all the, you know, all the comments and this, yep. and, and that's when it's like, God, bro, like, why'd you have to phrase it that way? You know, because now, now I'm, I'm open to, oh, he never, see, he told you he never wrote it to W like, come on, man. You know, it's just, it gets so old, bro. Yeah, he might have to uh, make another statement, but uh, who knows? But yeah. I know he's trying to help out his boy, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got that book coming out. So, yeah. Yeah. But today, topic at hand King of the Ring 1998, June 28th, 98, Pittsburgh, PA, the Civic Arena, the attendance over 17,000, wow. the buy rate 385, which is pretty good for a you know, off show. It's not one of the, the big four. I know you consider it one of the big five, but it's pretty, pretty good. 385 the tagline off with their heads if you remember stable on the cover and the little uh the noggenizer as a kramer the, gui- would call the guillotine it. gimmick the guillotine right? yeah, yeah would come down yeah yeah so king of the ring 98 you guys are on a roll wcw is still i mean it's like a back and forth race is there pressure on you guys from vince from you know from high up above that hey wcw is still nipping at our heels we may have overtook them in april but it's back and forth back and forth there's no pressure john because you know i I say this all the time too like just about life in general bro all you could do is write the best show you can i I mean like you know regardless of you know pressure or what vince is gonna say I mean, at the end of the day, all I could do is sit down and write the best show that I can. So, no, nah, there, there wasn't pressure or anything like that. Uh, you know, we we always wrote the best show we could write. And that went whether it was Raw or a SmackDown or a Sunday Night Heat or, a, you know. So, no, there, there, there was there was really no pressure as far as that's concerned. And we were kind of saying off air, which is funny, like to me and to fans and, and to, to my buddy, Larry, we always think like, OK, this is so big. This is so monumental. This is so important to us. Oh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? But to you guys, you're on the road 365, 24 seven. Like, is it one of the things where it's just another show, another thing? Like, you're not thinking like we are. We're like, oh, I remember that moment. Exactly. I remember when, uh, you know, Undertaker throws mankind off the cell and like also you guys are just like, OK. This show's going on now. We got to focus on tomorrow night, right? It's just another show, John. And and that's so hard for people to understand. But when you were writing at the rate that we were writing, it's just another show, bro. Like it's no different, you know, than Raw. WrestleMania was just another show. And, you know, it's funny, bro, because like I, I say some things that people can't comprehend, you know, like, you know, I, I finally, you know, John, I, I did some, uh, I, I tried to really think about what goes through people's minds. There, there was a big story on uh, uh, ringside seats, I guess it's called, that like I'm calling the WWE every day and begging them for a job. And <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> bro, the, the I, I'm 61 years old, John. I left mainstream wrestling 10 years ago. Okay, John, I'm not vaxxed. I have no uh, no desire to be fat vaxxed, which means I really try to stay away from crowds of people. You know, I don't have to go to work every day where there's a lot, a lot of people. I certainly don't have to go into arenas, you know, where there's thousands of people. So, you know, the fact that I, I, I've not been vaxxed, I, I think I tend to play it really more safe than others. So what that means is, bro, I ain't traveling anywhere. 
like I get I get requests all the time, John, to do conventions and do this and do that. I'm not leaving my house. Like I've kind of made that clear. On top of that, bro, like I've been podcasting now for eight years. Like this is how I make a living. I love this, bro. I'm I'm at my house. I mean, yesterday, bro, like at 1.30, I'm able to watch the Giants and the Rockies. Like, you know, I can, when I'm done here, I can go out in my Jeep and, you know, take a ride to the thrift store, like whatever I want to do. It's such a peaceful existence. And it's so perfect for me at this point in my life. And the idea of Jumping back into that environment with the politics and Vince McMahon owns you and this, that, and the other thing, it's not even on my radar. But I came to the conclusion that there are so many people out there, bro, that would kill to work for the WWE, that they would absolutely kill for it, that when a guy like me comes along and says, no way in hell would I ever work full time there again. Never. Like they can't comprehend that. Like, oh my God, how how could you not? That's a dream job. Like, no, bro, I, I have no desire. I, I've said this, bro, just like we're doing this show for Larry. Bro, I'll consult for anybody. Y- you you want to pay me a fee to look at a character or look at a show or a reviewer show? And I'm doing it from right here. I'll do that for anybody, bro. I'll do that for WWE, AEW, uh, Billy Corgan. If, but I ain't leaving right here. But it's like right. people that they can't, I, I don't think they can comprehend that not everybody would drop everything for the opportunity to work for the WWE. Bro, it's a shit job, man. I was there. I did it. That's why I was burnt out after five years, bro. Bro, the only the only way I would want to go back there full-time, John, is if I had to because of financial reasons. If I was absolutely broke and I needed a job, Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I'd be begging, but I would absolutely be trying to get a job there. Fortunately, bro, with Russo's brand and for as long as I've been doing this, I don't need the money. Like I, I, I had this is my job. This pays the bills. This is doing just fine. But I just my God, bro, people just they, they don't understand. It was a job like any other job. King of the Ring was just another wrestling. They 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 have this idea in their heads like holy shit like this this is Mecca and how could you not drop like your entire life and give your life to the king? It's like jeez bro like it's 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 unbelievable to me bro. People want to really believe at this stage in my life I'm begging Vince McMahon for a job. It's like are you freaking kidding me? I, I wouldn't trade this in for the world, bro. It's it's insane, man. Do you think that guy is just making it up, or did he hear that from somebody who was making it up to him? You know what I mean? Sometimes Meltzer and other not saying Meltzer had anything to do with this. That was that guy Steve or whatever his name is. But it's one of those things where sometimes they get fed stories. Do you think he was fed? Or do you think he just made it up off the top of his head? Uh, no, bro. Listen, if anybody follows Russo's brand.com. 
bro, I bury that company. I absolutely bury. I, I, I hate the fact that I have to watch the show. The only reason I watch the show is because Sports Kita pays me very well. That's why I watch the show. If Sports Kita went away, I ain't watching Raw. So I, I, I get so pissed off, even though I'm getting paid, I get so pissed off that I got to sit there every week and watch a show that's terrible. So I rip the show. I rip creative. We we do master shoot theater where we poke fun at Vince McMahon. First of all, bro, if I'm a guy trying to get a job there, is this the way I'm really going to go about it? D- does that make any sense to anybody? I'm going to rip them and then expect them to hire me. And and then also, so bro, so the, the answer is because I rip them the way I do, Yes, bro. It's certainly possible that somebody in the WWE would say, oh, bro, he's calling us every week begging for a job because I'm I'm embarrassing them. I'm I'm poking fun at them. I'm uh, they're they're bankrupt creatively. So the 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 bottom line is, bro, I don't care what I say about them because I don't want to work there. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to massage relationships. So is it possible that somebody inside said, oh, God, bro, yeah, he's, that that's just a front. But but for you to believe that, you're, you're just a gullible moron. I mean, bro, you're an absolute moron because I, I am an example of how not to get hired by the WWE. I mean, my God, bro, it's like I've done everything and said everything for them to never hire me again. And, you know, bro, Vince, Vince, you know, back in October, I did a whole series about it. I offered my consulting services. And, John, I'll tell you, the reason why I did was because I can't stand sitting here watching the show. It's horrible. Right. So I offered my consulting services like I would to anybody. And then Vince McMahon came back and said, okay, well, you know, you could watch Raw for a couple of weeks and give me your thoughts. Now, John, if I'm looking at a job, I'm going to jump at that, right? I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna prove myself to Vince so he hires me. So when Vince said to me, you know, watch Raw for the next couple of weeks, I was like, Bro, I'll be happy to watch Raw for the next couple of weeks, and I'll be happy to critique it. I ain't doing it for free. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, why, right. why would I do? I, I've got nothing to prove to you. I, I've worked there already. You you saw my numbers. You know where your numbers are now. You think I'm going to jump through hoops for you while I'm offering to help you? I said, no, I, I, I'm not going to do it for free. And that's when he wrote me back the very nasty email. But the bottom line, John, is once he threw that opportunity out there, if I wanted a job, I would have jumped at that opportunity. But no, bro, I am a businessman. You want me to look at your show? You want me to critique your show? You're going to pay me to do that. I'm not going to jump through hoops because you're Vince McMahon in the WWE. Business is business, bro, you know? And that's why, like, with all those things, it's like you got to be out of your mind to sit down and write something like that and actually believe it. It couldn't be be so far from the truth, bro. It's so freaking ridiculous. 
with that and you talking to Vince at that one point, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't talking, bro. It was a uh, it was email. an email. It was an email exchange. With that though, is that insulting to you that he's saying he knows? Obviously, you wrote no, for the that's, company. That's that's, that's, to- that's totally Vince McMahon. In Vince's mind, bro, everything is great. And in Vince's mind, I need the WWE. And it would be a great opportunity. And it would be an honor and a privilege to be working. He really believes that stuff. And no, bro, like I I, I don't. And I made it clear in the emails. Bro, I read the email I wrote to him where I clearly said, I don't want a full-time job. I'm available for consulting. I don't want a job. I made that clear. But no, bro, Vince actually believes that he would be doing me a favor to, uh, you know, to be a consultant on that show. He, he, he I, I don't, I don't know. You know, like I said, bro, I left TNA in 2012. I don't know how Vince thinks I've been making a living for the last 10 years. I've made a living the last 10 years without Vince McMahon. So I I certainly don't need Vince McMahon to make a living. So that's why, bro, when, you know, when you're making decent money, you know, you have that power to say to somebody, bro, I'm not doing that for free. Like now, like I said, John, if I was, if my finances depended on it and I needed a job, absolutely. Yes. I don't need a freaking job, bro. So that's why I was able to say, okay, bro, I'll, I'll, I'll watch your show, but what, what's the compensation for that? Cause I'm not doing it for free. Pretty crazy though, that he would think like, Hey, you'll do it for free. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and consult not at all, bro. Now, if you, if you know, Vince McMahon, bro, it's, it's really, it's really not that it's, it, wow, it, okay. it, I, I was not surprised. I, I actually, bro, when I got the response, I kind of laughed. Um, because that that's typical Vince in, in Vince's mind, bro, this is still, you know, you know, the WrestleMania one time, the Attitude Era, we're on top of the world, we're making all... He still thinks we're in that time. And the reality of the show is, bro, I know you're making a lot of money hand over foot fist. I know Nick Khan is making great deals. I understand all that. Your show's the shits. That, that, that's that got nothing to do with your show being bad. It, it's two totally separate things, you know? So, but no, that's, that's, that's just typical Vince, bro. He would have been doing me a big favor, a huge favor by allowing me to prove myself to bro. I proved myself to you 20 freaking years ago. I'm not, I don't need to prove myself to you again. Right. Absolutely. So here in 1998, when you did really kind of uh, really prove yourself to him in the height of the attitude era here, Kane is going to be feuding with Steve Austin, the main event. You got Undertaker versus McFoley, aka Mankind, in the Hell in a Cell. So, I mean, this is a pretty big show. Are you happy just in general, 98, with like Austin? It's super hot. Is it super easy to write the shows? Because oh, it's yeah, like guys have yeah. so much momentum. It's crazy. John, I said this all the time. And this is what they don't do. These are the basic fundamentals. If you stay true to every character on the show, and, and what I mean by that is they all don't act and talk like wrestlers. 
they all have individual personalities. So in other words, let, let's use hypothetically. Um, there are 10 wrestlers at a street corner, okay? On the other side of the street, a woman is being mugged, okay? All 10 of those wrestlers would act differently based on their personality. So if Rock sees a woman being mugged, he's going to act a certain way. If Austin sees a woman being mugged, he's going to act a certain way. But you've got to get so deep into the psyche of these characters that you understand what they would do under certain situations, okay? So now, because of that, the characters are real. They're not wrestlers. They're real people. If you stay true to that, bro, and just have wrestlers react like that character would react, John, the show writes itself. I, I, I've said this all the time. It writes itself because you know what every single character is going to do next. You know how they're going to react. It writes itself. Nobody does that anymore, bro. Everybody's a wrestler. Everybody cuts the same promo. You know, when, when you have real defined characters, these shows write themselves. So here we're going to start off the pay-per-view. The Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher, and Takamishinoku defeat Kai and Tai, who was Men's Teo, uh, Funaki, and Dick Togo. The match goes about six minutes and 45 seconds. Anything of note here, like in, in your mind, thinking like Kai and Tai, Takamishinoku turns face, he's, he's feuding with them. Anything, or are you thinking like, okay, this is just filler. This is just, you know, opening, opening act. Let's just get yeah, the crowd yeah. hot. Like is anything yeah. like anything of note though, really? That's exactly what you said, John, because these shows should crescendo. Like I, I bro, I can't tell you, I was watching, I, I did a little experiment, John, where I, I went back and I started watching Rampage for about six weeks until I finally said, bro, I, I, I'm, I, I can't watch this anymore. But the first thing I noticed was you're opening with the main event. Yeah, that's how you do format. That. Yeah. That's how yeah. That's how you format this show. So who's going to follow that? So everybody after this main event is dead, bro. When you write a show like this, you got to crescendo the show. Every every match on the on the card has a spot, and this is this is the spot. You got a hot crowd. They're waiting for action. You know, you got, you know, Kai and Tai Taka, you know, there's going to be a lot of high flying, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really going to be the spectacle and not the story. So yeah, bro, th this is how you want to set the night. You want to set the night with a good solid match, um, you know, high flying, great wrestling performance type of thing. It's really not going to be a, story driven match you know like i you know, i remember at tna like every show started with next division match that that's how every show started but you know there, there is an art bro to building the show and building that card we used to put a lot of time and effort into that i don't i i don't even think they know how to put pay-per-views together anymore these days bro 
it is weird the way they do it. Like, I don't know. It's just a, a strange thing. Like yeah. Cody, for instance, was like, the he's like the top guy over there. And, you know, I know Reigns is going to main event, but it was weird. He was the first match. Reigns is the last. It, they do that bookend stuff, which is weird. It's very, 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 very weird, bro. So with King of the Ring, is it better for you guys writing it that the whole King of the Ring doesn't have to be on the pay-per-view? Because that kind of sets a, a different pace and it kind of makes the show, I don't know, not ba as balanced. Like, for instance, if you have to do the King of the Ring through the whole show, you're going to have, you know, there's nine matches total. You're going to have, you know, a ton of more matches. So you're able to put the King of the Ring on Raw and, and, and you'll have different matches. Do you like that, though, not having the whole tournament on the pay-per-view? I like having the whole tournament on the pay-per-view. And I'll tell you why, John. And this is, you know, this is a lot of, you know, a lot of this, bro, nobody does their research. Nobody does their research. John, I could tell you based on writing from like 96 to 2012, okay? Tournaments on TV, John, do not draw. They don't draw. And I'll tell you exactly why they don't draw. Because they're matchups. So there's a lot of cold matches. There's a lot of cold wrestling matches. The casual wrestling fan, they don't like that. They want stories and they like characters. So every time I did a tournament on TV, it never drew. The pay-per-view is supposed to be the wrestling. That, that is the payoff. That is the wrestling. You want to see wrestling matches, that's where you're going to get long wrestling matches. So I, I personally like the drama uh, like I was at, bro, which, which one had the tournament? WrestleMania 4 or 5? I think 4, WrestleMania right? 4. Yep. Yeah, I was at that show. I literally was wow, at awesome. that show. I love that. I love that build throughout the entire night. So my, my preference would have been to do it that way. Interesting. You were there. That's a, that's a great show to be. Obviously, Macho Man wins the uh, title yeah, I, over I, I DiBiase at, in the finals. I was, at awesome. four in, I was at 4 and 5, bro, because they were both in Atlantic City. Yes, good stuff. That's that's the heyday, right yeah, there. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. Hogan and Savage at that point, my God, I think was it seven hundred and eighty-five thousand buys in eighty-nine too. So I mean, it's like it's ridiculous, bro. Insane, ridiculous. yeah, yep. insane. So you guys do have tournament matches on Raw and on TV beforehand. I'll just quickly go through the first round and the quarterfinals because the semifinals is where you guys start for the pay per view. So The Rock beats Vader. Triple H beats X-Pac, Owen Hart beats Two Cold Scorpio, Dan Severn beats D'Lo Brown, Ken Shamrock beats Kama Mustafa, Mark Henry shockingly beats Terry Funk, Jeff Jarrett shockingly beats Farouk, and Mark Merrill beats Blackman. Then The Rock beats Triple H, Dan Severn beats Owen Hart, Ken Shamrock beats Mark Henry, and Jeff Jarrett defeats Mark Merrow. So the semifinals are set, and Jeff Jarrett loses here to Ken Shamrock and Jeff Jarrett's with Tennessee Lee. He loses by submission in the semifinals in about five minutes, 30 seconds. What do you think here? Jarrett and Tennessee Lee, a.k.a. Uh, <laughs> Colonel Robert Fuller. He was great, bro. He, great talker. He, he, yeah. Oh, my God, bro. He, he, he was a great, 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 great performer, bro. And, and that was a good uh, – they had really good chemistry there. You know, bro, and that's the thing, man. Guys like him, they're good for the locker room. You know, bro, it's it's funny how wrestling has changed because, you know, we, we just did a show, bro, and, you know, CM Punk was making comments about Bischoff, and he kind of described all of us as old, 
over the hill hanger on or is doing podcasts like you know some th something switched bro from when in you know veteran was there or a veteran would come to the show bro you would drop everything uh, you 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 would bow at their feet i mean I, I remember bro i remember one time and one time only i got to meet ernie lad bro i i might as well have been meeting the beatles and and the the amount of respect you know that is shown you know and that's why you know uh, robert fuller is one of those guys when i was in tna it was bob armstrong when these guys are around like you honor them today, bro. Somehow we went from honoring them to shitting on them because now, you know, any, anybody that says anything on the current product, uh, you know, any former wrestler, they're just going to get shit on like th their opinions mean absolutely nothing. You know, nothing. We know everything. And I, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but like Fuller was a guy, you know, like Percy Pringle. Those guys had been around and to have their uh, knowledge and their experience in the locker room is a great plus, bro. Shamrock here, obviously he gets the win. Is this part of a big push? Were you really behind Ken Shamrock at this point? Oh uh, Yeah, bro. I, I say this all along, man. I think to this day, man, because I, I review a lot of uh, Attitude Era shows and stuff. Bro, he was one of the most believable characters I've ever seen in the ring, ever, bro. He um, he had, you know, like just such integrity and emotion, and you believed what he was doing, bro. Um, So, yeah, I, I was a big fan of Ken Shamrock. Bro, there were a lot of um con contractual problems, you know, going on with Shamrock, and I'm never privy to that stuff. But a lot of times, bro, that really dictated who you pulled back on. If there was some kind of hesitancy to sign a contract or something like that, that's when I was usually given a heads up by uh, JR or Vince. And now, okay, bro, now, now we've got to pull back on this talent. Um, because that's the only reason I, you know, I would have ever pulled back on a guy like Ken Shamrock. It had nothing to do with what he was doing in the ring. I know at that point, uh, UFC probably wanted him back. I know, obviously, Pride Fighting Championships was the big organization and based out of Japan, but they were really the number one, and they would eventually get him in, in 99, 2000. So there was back. probably a lot of yeah. that negotiating going on that, that I'm never privy to, bro. That's not my department. Because, you know, he, he was one of the first, like, true draws for MMA. So, I mean, they yeah. they they wanted him back. Yeah. You know, they want to make him feud with certain guys, whether it be years later with Tito Ortiz or whoever. I mean, they want certain matchups for Shamrock that they knew would draw money for them. No no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. So then the other semifinal, The Rock defeats Dan Severn in about four minutes and 30 seconds here. He has some help from Kyle Mustafa and Mark Henry. So it's not like a, a clean victory for The Rock, but fully established as a heel. And we're going to get in the in the, the finals uh, for the King of the Ring, the Rock versus Ken Shamrock, which is a few that you guys have been building for months, almost like a little bait and switch. Remember, Manny, we we're talking about Shamrock wins. They take the title back from him because he gets DQ'd. So a lot of uh, buildup for Rock and Shamrock here as we head to the finals. Bro, I've said this all along. There are certain guys that made certain guys. Okay. And I will tell you this flat out and, 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 
Austin will tell you this too. Before Austin hit big, he was going around the towns with Savio Vega. Savio made Austin. Savio really, really helped make Steve Austin. The same with Shamrock. Without that feud with Shamrock prior to Rock exploding, bro, that was so integral to Rock's rise. And I've I've said that a million times. Those two guys were very, very, very instrumental in Austin and The Rock getting to the heights that they got to. And I don't think those two guys ever get enough credit for that. And I believe Austin and Rock would give them credit all day long. I'm talking about, you know, the fan base really understanding how important those two guys were to these two, to, to the careers of these two. The next matchup too much, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor before they became too cool, defeated Al Snow and Head in a tag match. Uh, Jerry Lawler is a special guest referee. The match goes eight minutes, 30 seconds. You're immediately laughing. You you like the, the booking of this one. That's just any Anything with Al and Head is just hysterical to me. And wasn't there something where he couldn't pin his shoulders or something? There was some kind so of... So he put the head and shoulder bottle on him and, and he pins Head, yeah. There you go, yeah. So there, there, there was definitely something gimmicky about that. But yeah, bro, this is one thousand percent an entertainment match this is something that would not go over today because bro i i say this all, all all the time somehow or another a lot of people have convinced themselves that wrestling is real i i don't know how that happened like so there's no room for comedy there's no room for entertainment wrestling is real. So we got to go out there for 20 minutes, bro. And we got to have a five-star match because wrestling is real. You know what I say, bro? If it's real, then wrestle for real. Wrestle for real, bro. If, you, if, you, if you're a Joe tough guy and you're that good, re- wrestle for real. Because the fact of the matter is, it's not real, bro, and it is predetermined, and you are play fighting, whether you want to admit that or not. And the only way that'll ever change is if you go out there and, and fight for real. So let, let, let me know when you're ready to go out there and fight for real. Cratch pretty into Al Snow and Head, though. I mean, oh, so. he's very entertaining, bro. Yeah. I, I, I was off the charts, man, off the charts. And he playing on a push for Al. Yeah, bro. See that—that's the thing, man. There, there, there was no, there was never any such thing as a push, bro. I, I mean, the fans are dictating the direction of the show. The the fans, the fan response, and the ratings are dictating who we're going with. If you're drawing, bro, you're gonna get more television time. If you're not, you're gonna get less. It's really that simple, bro. Simple, simple, simple formula. In your head, are you thinking like mid-card, upper mid-card? This guy's entertaining. The crowd loves him. Got to keep him on TV. He's a mid-card guy. Entertaining. You're not going to change the channel with Al Snow on, you know. But because of his character, you were only going to take him seriously to a certain level. But he had a very, very, very important role on the card. Did you like the head? I know you like Al, but do you love the head? Oh no, bro. I, I, you know, again, bro, it's like the, the people, again, the revisionist history, which I love people love to say, bro, uh, you know, Vince Russo ripped off ECW. And the fact of the matter is, bro, if I saw five ECW shows, that was a lot. 
I was inspired by what Eric was doing with the NWO. That's right. what inspired me. I got no problem saying that. But one of one of those five shows that I was watching, Al was in the ring and they littered the ring with the heads. And I saw that. I'm like, because the last time we had Al, he was like Leaf Cassidy. And right. I'm like, yep. oh my God, bro, this is freaking awesome. So of course, I had to go to Vince. Vince didn't watch ECW, didn't know anything about ECW. And I told him what Al was doing. And I'm like, bro, we, we need to get him here, man. The guy is very, very entertaining. And that's that's pretty much what we did. So the next matchup, X-Pac with China, defeated Owen Hart in 8 minutes, 30 seconds here. Uh, DX member, X-Pac, Nation member, Owen Hart. Mark Henry gets involved. Vader gets involved. Who was kind of feuding with Mark Henry here at Xbox able to win via cheating. Thanks to China over Owen Hart. what do you think about Owen in uh, the nation of domination? <laughs> bro. Uh, oh my God, bro. Somebody, somebody wrote me this week. Um, with this con- conspiracy theory of how Owen Hart was uh, purposely, murdered okay and part of his conspiracy theory was the reason we put the blue blazer gimmick on owen was a punishment because there were certain creative things owen didn't want to do and i said wait a minute imbecile i was the head writer at the time the reason we put the blue blazer gimmick on Owen was because Owen was hysterical. Owen, Owen was so lovable and with his ribs and everybody laughing. And we knew he would make this superhero. It would be as entertaining as hell. No, no, bro. If anybody ever met Owen Hart, this is the last person in the world you're ever going to punish. <laughs> bro. There, there were a lot of people I would have liked to punish. Owen Hart is nowhere near that list. So it's the same idea with the nation, bro. The, the fact that Owen is in the nation, it's funny, bro. It's comic relief. Um, and, and, and Owen always pulled that stuff off. And was he a great wrestler, bro? absolutely without a doubt but if you didn't give owen this comedic edge he was really just another good wrestler and there was a lot more to him than that he had a he had such a funny 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 entertaining side and that's what we were always trying to get out Interesting with him in the nation, like you said, there's a little bit of a comedic thing, but he pulled it off. I mean, he pulled oh, off everything. He made it work bro. well. Absolutely, no doubt about it, man. I also heard some insane conspiracy theory from these nut jobs on, on Twitter that were saying, like, because Owen injured Austin, that like they were looking for some sort of like. I was like, oh my god, like yeah, exactly, that is bro. I, I mean, my god, yeah. when you yeah. read shit like that, yeah, like, nuts. It, it drives me freaking crazy, bro. Like, give give me a break. So the New Age Outlaws, another uh, team, a part of DX, Billy Gunn and Road Dog, who are the champions, with China out there, defeat the Midnight Express, Bodacious uh, Bart, and Bombastic Bob with Jim Cornette, retaining the tag team championships in about 9 minutes, 30 seconds. 
China is involved again. She low blows Cornette and, you know, helps the, the outlaws win. She's a big part, two matches in a row. Midnight Express, I didn't think they'd win the tag titles, but, uh, you know, they're at least get, they're getting a shot. So somebody is, is behind them, you know, getting a little bit of, of a shove up the car. Bro, I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly what this is. Um, first of all, and I've said this a million times, New Age Outlaws, I give 1 million percent credit to Vince McMahon. It was his idea to put these two guys together, and 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 I've said it a million times. I did not see it. I, I was like, bro, are you sh-? like I did not see it. One hundred percent, I give Vince credit for that. The NWA stuff, bro. The, you know, in those creative meetings, Jim Cornette was always pushing that old school stuff. Now, bro, I'm sitting there and I'm knowing in this day and age, bro, the shit's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. But I was like, you know what, man? Let's do this anyway. So Jim will be able to see for himself that this is not going to work. So I basically, bro, did that angle to appease Jim Cornette, knowing it was never going to get over, bro. And it wasn't going to get over, bro, just because it was a different time. And the company was, and, and the company and society was moving in a different direction, bro. We we were past that. But it was something that I feel that, you know, Jim had to see that for himself. So that was the whole idea behind the NWA angle gimmick. So then we have Ken Shamrock in the uh, finals, the King of the Ring finals. This is going to be for the for the crown, if you will. Ken Shamrock defeats The Rock via submission in a pretty good back and forth match. Match goes about 14 minutes. Finally, you know, he gets to defeat The Rock and actually keep the victory. So this was almost like the culmination of the end of their feud, too. But also he gets to become the King of the Ring. But it's not like he automatically gets a title shot. They know they did that years later. Was that ever uh, like a thought or was that kind of different? Because guys didn't always do that where the King of the Ring wins and gets a title shot automatically at the world champion. Yeah, no, bro. Again, I'm I'm telling you, man, there was a lot going on behind the scenes with Shamrock that like I didn't even know about and I wasn't privy to. And the reason why I say that, bro, is because there was no reason not to ride Ken Shamrock to the moon. The, the, the guy, in my opinion, had everything. Uh, he was very believable. He had a great personality. Um, there were There was no reason not to ride him to the top. But like I said, bro, behind the scenes, whether it was negotiating with the other MMA companies, whether it was holding the WWE up for money, I don't know what it was. But there, there was stuff going on uh, behind the scenes that I absolutely had no control over. So Shamrock wins. He's the king. You don't do like the corny crown. I'm going to guess you're not. Are you a fan of the, the oh, crown God, with the cape bro, and that, please, that, that stuff? Please, bro. I can't stand that shit. Pretty cheap. It wouldn't fit Shamrock at all. Either. No, I could see him breaking it and like ripping it yeah, up. You know what not I mean? Like, at all. No. He's that kind of character. Yeah, he could have came out waving like uh, <laughs> Zelina, whatever. Yeah, Zelina I mean. Vega. Yeah. yeah please. With the accent, too. He could have had the. Uh, yeah, accent. exactly. Yes. Yes. So then we have this is probably the most memorable match, maybe, of the night and maybe for years. But The Undertaker defeats Mankind Hell in a Cell, 17 minutes, 30 seconds. Whew. Man, this is just crazy because. Okay, 
you know, they're both huge names. They're both great wrestlers. They had a great feud, but this is just like uh, another level of like insanity. They go to the top and he just tosses them off through the table. You could tell Hugo uh, and and Carlos aren't even aware. Hugo does a thing where he like almost like falls off his chair. He's like almost like in shock. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. But like, were you just absolutely floored? Because obviously they don't tell anybody about putting this match together. Bro, I was watching this in the gorilla position and people, you know, again, bro, people don't know how the industry works. We know what we need to finish to be, okay? When you got guys like Undertaker and Mick, you you tell them what we need to finish to be. They lay all that out, bro. A, a, a writer has nothing to do with that. So I have no idea what's in this match, what they've laid out. I know what what we need to finish to be, but um, I, bro, I was watching the uh, sh- I was watching the sh- uh, this match from the gorilla position, so I was just on the other side of the curtain, and uh, I I could not believe the two bumps uh, that Mick took, bro. After that second bump, I thought he was dead. Um, I I could not believe, and bro, I wasn't like today. Oh my God, and popping and this and that and this is awesome. I was genuinely concerned about his health. I mean, that's what I was worried about first and foremost. And, you know, we had the train of Francois there. And as soon as Mick came through the curtain, we had a gurney ready for him. And, and, uh, I, I went, um, you know, in a private room where Francois was looking at him because bro, that was my only concern was that this guy just did some major damage to himself. And not only that, he goes through, he goes back up the cage. I mean, JR's call is just legendary because he, he's not working. You can tell he's serious. Stop the damn match. This is insane. And he gets, right. then he gets choke slammed through by accident again. Undertaker, which is so funny. He actually, when he jumps down, he like breaks his ankle, but you can't, he literally can't say anything. He's like, this guy just killed himself twice right. for me. I right. can't complain about my ankle. Screw my ankle. So, I mean, Foley's, I mean, obviously remember it in lore and, and maybe a lot of guys try to copy him and, and unjustly try to copy him and do all these crazy bumps and it caused injury. But like he said, I mean, it was just one of those crazy things where he obviously didn't mean to go through the cage that second time, but yeah, holy crap. But he made and I'll himself never forget that day this, bro, when, when, when he, Yeah, he comes through on the gurney. And bro, I knew his family was there. I, I, I knew oh. the kids were there and his wife were there. So I finally, like, I get a, a second alone with him, you know, and I, and I was like, bro, what, what are you thinking? Like, seriously, Mick, <laughs> like you got kids. This is what I'm telling him. And bro, I'll never forget, man. He, he looked up at me. His teeth were through his lip. He was, oh. he was a freaking mess. And I'll never forget, bro. He looked up at me and, and he said, Vince, was it better than the Sean match? That's all he cared about, that it was better than Sean and Taker. And I was just like, Mick, you're you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, seriously, bro. Like, you yeah. know, you, you've got two little kids. You got a beautiful wife. And like this, this is what. But 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 that's that was Mick Foley, bro. That's how much he loved the business. And that's how much pride he took in every single match. 
crazy thing is, is he's even talking to Funk about it beforehand. As he says, and Funk has said, like he was talking about it before. He goes, I got to outdo Shawn Michaels versus yeah. Undertaker at Bad Blood the year before. Like he wanted to have the better match. And it's so funny. It's like that was his thought process. He didn't care about his health. He didn't care about doing crazy stunts. Like imagine if you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to jump off a 20 foot high cage onto a table. Like you're just like, I'm going for it. And then like you get choke slammed again. You got your tooth through your lip. Then it goes through your nose. And then you still go and you bring out the thumbtacks and you're like, holy moly. I can't imagine that, bro. That, that, that takes a, uh, that takes a different breed, bro. That is not normal. That, that, that takes a very, very different breed. It's funny though. Like Austin, the toughest SOB, you can almost not call him that after watching Foley. It's like, no, this guy is the toughest. Like, holy crap. How is he not dead? Yeah. It's crazy, man. Crazy. You know, bro, I, I'm just wondering I, I don't think Mick would ever tell you. I wonder how much of that he regrets today. Like, you know, when, when he gets out of bed every morning of his yeah. life. Yep, very true. I'll be honest with you, though, bro. Knowing Mick, man, I bet you he doesn't regret it at all. Wow. I would you think, know? like, his hip is screwed up, his back, his legs, yeah. you know. Yeah, but he he was the best he could be, you know, and I think that I think that was – the most important thing to him. What a crazy match. When people say like wrestling is fake and then you show them that match, like, well, maybe not that, like, you know what I mean? Cause there's no way to fake that stuff. You know, it's like, holy shit. He's pretty crazy. Do you think though, by him doing that, he did set off like, cause even on the indie scenes, I remember seeing after this guy's doing crazy bumps. Yeah. And bro, like I said, I'm not a fan of that shit. I wasn't one of the guys standing back saying, this is awesome. This is awesome. I was one of the guys saying, what are you out of your freaking mind? Bro, fast forward to, uh, you know, there was a clip on my Twitter timeline today with Darby Allen yesterday. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that, bro. I'm not a fan of you hurting yourself. I'm I'm not a fan of that, bro. I'm not going to cheer, holy shit, holy shit, this is awesome. When you are risking severely hurting yourself, you're, you're, you're risking being paralyzed, you're risking death. I am not a fan of this. So... When, when Mick did those things, my reaction was, are you effing crazy? Bro, like, is, like literally, is something wrong with you? Why are you doing that? I, I have the very same response to this day. And obviously, Undertaker gets the win. Imagine if you guys did all that, and all of a sudden, we're booked mankind to win. It would be like... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it would be like, how? Like, yeah. how is he? Yeah. Right, right. Oh man. And you know, they bring out the gurney. He gets up off the gurney. Terry Funk comes out. Remember he gets chokes out of his tennis shoes, which Jr. had another great line about just man, Jr. Like talk about like a uh, ultimate moment of just awesome oh, commentary yeah, off the cuff. It. Forget it. Everybody uses those. Even when you see those stupid videos, like the kid in the shopping cart, he falls out of the shopping cart, you know, Oh my God. You know, they'll put it all <laughs> right. over Twitter. Right. Yeah. Or like they'll have the kid on the jungle gym and all of a sudden like, Oh my God, he's broken in half and he falls. And yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It lives on forever. He's a, what yep. a gift meme. I don't know, whatever you call it. He's just yep. a social media legend now. Just because Absolutely, of man. Other Absolutely. matches, but this match, really. I mean, yeah. holy, stop the damn match. I mean, yeah. he's he's dead serious, too. Yeah. He's, he's pissed. Yeah, yeah. Does he say something to, like, Mick afterwards? Like, what I'm sure, I'm sure he did, bro. Because, bro, think, think about it. You know, the last thing we want is Mick not being able to work for six months. Think, think yeah. about that, bro. Yeah. Like, no, you, you don't want that. Bro, uh, Bro, there were many instances in my career where, like, 
I would watch a match and I would cut a promo on the talent afterwards. Like, you know, what the frig are you like? Trust me, man. I, I did that many, many, many times. I'm not a fan of that stuff, bro. I, I'm, I don't I don't watch wrestling to see people get hurt. And Mick is going to be part of the main event, too. So he almost could have screwed that up because you would have had to change what was going on with the finish of the main event. So yep. Mick almost yep. kind of ruined that. But obviously, he's so tough. He's like, fuck it. I'm, you know, uh, yeah. screw it. Or whatever. I'm coming back and I'm wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Or not wrestling, but I'm going to be a part of the finish. Like, true professional. Well, he knows that, too. He knows that, bro. He knows I did all that stuff and Vince will be hot. If because of that now it's going to affect the finish, so there's there's no way he's not doing it. So it is really 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 memorable. Even Sullivan always says, like from the WCW point of view, like holy shit, like everybody's talking about this damn Foley Undertaker Hell in a Cell match and Foley. Like how how could we top that? We can't. Like that's nuts. Like holy crap. Yeah. Are you guys liking it for for that aspect, but disliking it for the fact that this guy literally almost killed himself? <sighs> Bro, I, I can only speak for myself. And um, like I said, bro, to this day, I think the guy was out of his mind. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. And it's not even, oh, he'd be heard and he'd be on TV. He couldn't be on TV. It's it's not any of that shit. It's, it's personal. Like, bro, what would have happened if you would have been paralyzed? What would have happened if you would have cracked your skull? Like, it's it's really personal, man. I don't, you know, people that I was working with and I worked very closely with, bro, I don't want to see them get hurt. Yeah, man, that's really scary. But, I mean, for us, like, as fans, entertainment value, it's like, holy crap, that was awesome. But then in the other part of my like, Wait, how is this guy like walking? Like he's yep. this he's gonna be uh you know hurting, but he's so damn tough. He's still in the next pay-per-view and the pay-per-view after that. I mean, and you know, he's he's uh, showing up for the main event. So I mean phew, hats yeah. off to him for doing it. But man, what yeah. crazy bump. Uh, yep, very, very absolutely. memorable, memorable stuff. Yeah. So the main event is a first blood match for the WWF championship. Kane with Paul Bearer defeats Stone Cold Steve Austin. Had Kane lost, he would have to have set himself on fire. Kane gets the win in a good match, 16 minutes, of course. Mick Foley comes out, Mankind. All this stuff at the Hell in a Cell is going on. Foley comes out. You think he's going to get involved. Undertaker then comes out, and he gets, you know, by accident, so so we think. So that's another little cool little teaser, like, did he do it on purpose? Undertaker ends up hitting Austin. Austin ends up bleeding. Undertaker basically costs Austin the match. And if you think about it, helps his brother not get burned alive and helps his brother win the world championship. But you could also say it was mankind's fault too. So you're keeping that kind of gray area, like Undertaker is a heel, is yep. he a face? Did he do it yep. on purpose? Did he not? So it's one of those things where it's cool to me as a fan because the next night's like more questions than answers. Like, first of all, fuck, like uh, Austin's not the champ anymore. That sucks. Kane's the champ, but he's not going to be lit on fire. Did Undertaker just help his brother? Or did he do it by accident? A lot of cool stuff going on. And, bro, not only is it cool stuff for you as a viewer, as a writer, it's like euphoria, bro, because now you've got so many avenues that you can go down, bro. Now you have created weeks and weeks and weeks of television. That's the beauty of it, bro. That's the part that a lot of these hardcore fans miss and don't understand you know when when david arquette wins a world title when goldberg spears russo through the cage and russo wins a world title these moments are are meant bro to open up the creative 
envelope when Vince McMahon is in a Royal Rumble. Because now, bro, you've got so many places you could go that you didn't have before. So when you've got something like this, where there could have been 10 different scenarios, it, it's a writer's paradise, bro, because it gives you weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of good television. Plus, to me, thinking about it, like Austin is kept strong. He lost, but he kind of got screwed and he didn't get pinned or submitted. He was bleeding. It's a first blood match. So right. it's another thing, too. It's like, well, Austin, he still should be champ. You know, if you're you're the fan of Austin, yep. he yep. got screwed. Yep. Plus, it keeps him strong yep. booking wise. You, Everyone's protected. Everyone's protected. And like I said, bro, a lot of that, it goes back to, uh, you know, writing as if you're in the shoes of every single performer. Bro, you know how many times I see on Raw a wrestler? Keep in mind, bro, you're a professional wrestler. You decided to get in this profession. You're a fighter. You want to fight. You're a tough guy. I can't tell you how many times on Raw I see a guy get attacked, and by the next week we totally forgot about it. What? Yep. Would a guy, would a guy, would a wrestler, a competitor, a fighter ever forget about somebody attacking him? That That's the stuff that I'm talking about, bro. So, you know, we, we make sure the finish is going to protect Austin and suit Austin's character. Like I said, bro, that stuff does not happen anymore. I know you said like one show kind of goes into the next, but this is really a lead into Raw the next night, which is just huge because so many people were interested. I remember me and a bunch of my friends, we all got together. We were like upset yeah. because Austin versus Kane, there had to be a rematch. Then there is a rematch. Is that one of the things where you're very happy with the pay-per-view? You're happy everything you know went all fine, but now it's like, okay, we got to move on to the next night. Bro, because I, I am. Kane. This is huge rematch. Yeah, bro, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And this goes for every pay-per-view across the board. Bro, we're, we're writing the pay-per-view at the same session where we're writing Raw. We're, it's a, we're writing it at the same time. I am always excited about the Raw. Like, that, that, that the following night is the show that always excites me. The show after Mania, the show after a show like this, I am always excited about, okay, bro, now that this happened, what is the fallout going to be? That What's that next? show yep. always got me the most excited. So, of course, Austin, in a great match, the rematch on Raw, wins the title. The crowd is nuts from beginning to end. I mean, the crowd is just crazy for Austin, but he regains the title. It just was like the perfect compliment. It's like, wow, that really followed up the solid pay-per-view. I mean, that really followed up strong. Mm-hmm. No, that's important, bro. And we, we bro, you can now look at, Bro, you could look at Raw's history for the last 20 years. We knew after every WrestleMania, we were going to have a huge audience. We knew that. So because either people didn't see WrestleMania or they were tuning in to see the fallout. So in that show, we'd go balls to the wall and always draw a huge number. But because we knew we were going to draw a huge number, Bro, we were writing to hook them for the next week. And the ne right. we wanted to keep that huge number. Bro, you look at the history of Raw the last 20 years. They do a huge number the day after WrestleMania. Yep. 
they don't keep people there, they don't follow up on it, they don't see things through, and by the next week, they're right back where they started. 100%, yep. 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 So thumbs up, thumbs down, like what do you kind of think of the pay-per-view? Just I know it's hard to say because you, you wrote it, but were you happy though? Like would you say thumbs yeah, no, up, this bro, is great? You know, 99.9% of the time, um, the pay-per-views were always a thumbs up because the boys always performed. You know, I mean, it, it was a bigger show to them. They were paid more, so there was money involved. So they always, you know, bro, they always turned turned up the switch. Uh, they always performed on pay-per-views. So to me, the pay-per-views were really all about the performance i mean that that's what it was really all about and these guys always delivered man and obviously going forward undertaker and austin would team up in july then they fight each other at SummerSlam 98 in a big main event then in september austin and undertaker uh excuse me undertaker and kane versus austin was kind of a three-way but really a two-on-one and then the october pay-per-view it's austin as a referee for undertaker and cage i mean this this is a good storyline going forward then you got survivor series which the tournament and the, the rock is going to be in so it's very good stuff you don't know who's who's kind of going where but it seems like everything is going in the right direction in 1998 for sure for the attitude era. yeah you know bro it's just it, it's very sad to me that um that's just not how it's done today no. you know bro and and, and i'm going to tell you again john the key is staying true to every character bro here here's here's a perfect example you know bro i was there when we introduced the edge character okay yep. i was there when we introduced the edge so edge is there for many 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 years all of a sudden bro they decide edge is going to be a heel but the reason he's going to be a heel is because he's going to turn on the people like <laughs> like nothing happened to ever make him a heel. OK, bro. So yeah. now he's a heel for no reason. And now on top of that, bro, he's an evil heel and he's cutting promos where he, it's cheap heat and he's burying the hometown. Like, not good yeah like, that, that that that's the stuff that I'm talking about bro it it is so elementary it is so like 101 no no bro this guy has been a baby face for years and years and years something needs to happen to slowly but surely turn him to the dark side bro remember how sting became the crow it didn't yes. happen like that. And he didn't go out and cut a promo on the people. You know, yep. nobody trusted him anymore. What saw and, and he became alienated over time. Now I'm a heel. I'm going to cut a promo on the people and I'm going to cut a promo on Wisconsin. Like, no, bro. It's, it's, it's God awful, bro. I just, I missed the way things were done, bro. We just, we did things the right way back then, man. For sure. Great point there. Let's hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and Patreon. Patreon.com slash tmptempire. Vince, what do you got? Yeah, guys, just go to a channelattitude.com, man. That's where everything stems out of Russo's brand.com, Hameen Media Group, uh, 
I've got a Batman 66 uh, show on there. I got a couple great comedians on there, Shuli and Bob Levy from the Stern show. You get a lot of free clips, bro. You could sample all these shows. Just go to uh, channelattitude.com. Great stuff, as always, Vince. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time here on the podcast. Thanks, folks. Have a good one. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.